How many of y'all like, I'm never going back. I'm never going back. I'm never going back to old habits. I'm never going back to what used to hold me down and bondage and oppression. I'm never going back. I'm never going back because I've been free. I'm never going back. Come on, somebody had to declare that right now with your life. Say, I'm not going back. So I'm never going back. I'm never going back. Listen, somebody ought to send that text message. Say, I'm never going back. I'm never going back. I'm out. I'm free. So I'm not going back again. Hallelujah, Jesus. Amen. Never going back. Come on, all the free folk in the room. Come on, all the free folk in the room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of y'all, uh, some of y'all act like y'all ain't never been in bondage before. But some of us, we done been bound by some stuff before. Hallelujah. Nine o'clock, I ain't gonna make y'all work that hard. I know y'all don't. Bow your heads. Let's pray together. Gracious God, our Father, how we do love you and thank you. God, in this moment, among all the things we have to be thankful for, we thank you because you have set us free. Father, I thank you, Lord, because you set me free. Lord, in my own life, I've been bound by things, mindsets, habits, people, most of all, my own sin. And yet, you have set us free. Father, we give you the glory because we are no longer bound that in Christ Jesus we are free free to live in you, free to be who you have ultimately called us to be. So, Father, may we never take that lightly. May we never sweep that under the rug. Now, God, I pray that as we approach your holy word, that you would give us listening ears, give us a receptive heart, and give us a responsive life. God, I pray for myself today because, Lord, you know how desperately I need you. Today, it feels like I need you now more than ever. So, Father, would you please look upon your servant and have mercy, have grace upon me. Breathe on me, Lord. Pour fresh oil on me. Give me the words to declare to your people that you may be glorified, that we may be edified, and that the enemy may be horrified. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, do what only you can do in this moment in space. It's in Christ Jesus' name we do pray. And all of us together said amen. 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 Well, it's good to see everybody this morning. So grateful to uh, be back in worship uh, with my sanctuary family one more time. Uh, Listen, we're supposed to start a new series today um, called uh, A Meal with Jesus. And uh, that being said, since we're starting a meal with Jesus, I thought I'd sit and just have a meal with y'all. Uh, so we're we just here to talk and to eat a little bit today, if that's all right with you. Problem is, I got all the food. Uh, but them snacks that y'all got hidden away in your purse and stuff like that, y'all go ahead and break them out. It's okay. Ain't, ain't nobody going to be mad. Y'all go ahead and break them out. Because we're just going to have a meal today um, as we start this series uh, called A Meal with Jesus. Um, and y'all, this is, uh, I love this because I tried to get a shirt. I, I wanted to order it. Just it wasn't going to get here on time. But I tried to get a shirt. 
that said food is my love language. Uh, because if you know me, you know that it is, that is emphatically true. Eating is what I do. It's not a hobby for me. It's a profession. I preach, yes, but I eat almost as a profession as well. Uh, that, that's what I do. I love to eat. And, and the reality is, y'all, that's not, just, uh, that's not just because it's something I like to do, but it's because it's innate in who we all are, actually. Um, this ideal of food. Um, yes, we need it to survive and, and for sustenance, but there's, just, there's something deeper about it. Have y'all ever had food that just touched your soul? <laughs> Come on, talk back to me in here. Y'all ever had food that had the Holy Ghost? Like the food just had, like God was moving through that food. You know it was, it was the Lord. Um, I went back home. I was home this past weekend. I went to my favorite barbecue place, uh, walked in. They were like, Seth. I'm like, hey. Because <laughs> uh, they know food is my love language, man. That's just, food is what I do. And every time I eat that, that barbecue, I have some ribs, Jesse, because you know I love, I've been craving ribs. And uh, it touched all the bottom of my soul, y'all. It, just, it was just good for me. But y'all, we're doing this series of Meal with Jesus because the truth is, many of us, we actually often miss what God can do through us and what God wants to do in us because we predetermine the means in which it has to happen. Um, I'd say it differently, actually, now. I'd say that many of us miss God speaking to us and through us because we think that God only ministers through one kind of context. We overcomplicate what it means to hear the voice of God. And y'all, the truth is, when you look at the scripture, Jesus didn't just come preaching from pulpits. He didn't just... Um, minister as he walked along the lines and healed sick and raised from the dead. He wasn't just teaching in the temple, Zach. It wasn't, it wasn't that. But actually, one of the things that we see in Scripture all the time is that Jesus actually oftentimes ministered through a meal. Y'all, Jesus was a foodie. He actually often did theology from a table. More times than not, in fact, he is most important and imperative lessons did not come from him sitting at a pulpit or standing in the temple, but his most important and imperative lessons actually often came when he was sitting down with his friends having dinner. And y'all, that's important because that should reorient really our perspective of ministry and community because many of us have relegated uh, ministry or movement of God's spirit as something that's only possible in the sanctuary. God is only speaking and moving if I get to the sanctuary. I only hear God's voice, or God can only use my voice if I'm standing on a platform. If I had time, I'd say, that's actually why a lot of people are operating in gifts and roles that they were never called to. Because they got a picture of ministry that is only possible from the stage. Um, that's why a lot of people miss what God is saying to them because they only think I can hear from the Lord if it's coming out of my pastor's mouth. 
And so this idea, this perspective of how Jesus actually did a lot of ministry through meals, it actually should reorient us. It should reorient our perspective of how God can use and speak to us. Um, Y'all, Jesus, he gives us a paradigm of preaching that's not from a pulpit. He gives us, watch this, a cheat code to cultivating community. He erodes this imaginary line that we've created at times between the sacred and the secular. Jesus shows us that eating isn't just physical, it's actually spiritual. That eating together is something that God can use and something that's actually spiritual. So as we have this meal together, y'all, here's what I want y'all to keep in mind. It's the one simple idea that meals are moments that God can use to minister to you and through you. I want y'all to hold on to that. That meals are actually moments that God can minister to you and can minister through you. It's not just something we do haphazardly or casually. And I know sometimes you want to run. Sometimes you got 20 minutes for a lunch break. I get it. Sometimes you just want to sit in the solitude and silence of your own home. That's cool too. But the reality is, y'all, we were made to do life together. And one of the ways that God often ministers to us and through us is actually through a meal. And so here it is, y'all. We ought to eat together. You ought to eat with some people who ain't even a part of your church sometimes because you never know what God will do through you when you sit down and have a meal. Or what God will say to you when you sit down and have a meal. It means that church is it's wonderful. I want you to come on Sunday morning and hear the word and sing and worship and all those things like that. But following Jesus is so much more than that. Hearing from Jesus and letting Jesus use you is so much more than that. It's really what happens when we all get together and have a meal. And so I don't have a, a real title for today, but if I did, I would tell you, I, wanna, I just want to let the table talk. And I want to invite you to let tables talk to you as we all have meals together. Because, y'all, you can learn something about God over lunch. You can discover more of who he is at a dinner, y'all. You can be encouraged at a breakfast, y'all. God can do something special. In fact, he may do the most special things that he'll ever do in your life through the context of a meal. That's why you shouldn't skip meals. That's why you shouldn't skip a meal. Uh, I'm trying to lose some weight. I'm doing my best. I'm doing my best. I'm doing my best. Uh, I'm trying, y'all. I'm trying. But, but the problem is, I don't like skipping meals. And I like eating with people. Uh, my best friend, Pastor Andre Kirkland, uh, he always, he always dogging me because every time we call each other, we're going to talk almost every day, every other day, something like that. But every time he calls me, he's like, man, Seth, you always on your way to a lunch meeting. Yes, I am. Because <laughs> if I got to meet with y'all and meet with people and all that stuff, might as well be over lunch. We might as well eat something good, you know what I'm saying? You know, how stuffy is it to sit in the office and be to, let me, let's, let's break some bread. Let's eat something good. Amen? And when we're doing it, y'all, you got to let a table talk to you. In fact, y'all, this table is talking to me right now. It's talking good to my soul. Everything on this table uh, is speaking to me, and everything on this table actually speaks to something about the glorious nature of God. Can I tell y'all what this table is saying to me right now? Um, see, see, my wife, uh, Hannah, she's actually somebody who's, uh, Hannah's a dessert per first person. Uh, she gonna want to have her dessert first. She's gonna want to, you know, dive into it, whatever it is first. Don't matter. 
where we go. She likes her dessert first. And ain't nothing wrong with that. Some of y'all are dessert first people. Amen? Y'all are dessert first people. Y'all are weird. I can't do it. I, uh, how, y'all, how y'all skip to the end? But, but, you know, there's nothing wrong with actually having dessert first, I guess. Uh, this pie is talking right to me right now. It's, it's not a sweet potato pie. It's a pumpkin pie, which, you, But... <laughs> It's still talking to me, though. I mean, I might as well. And, and, and when I think about this pie, man, and I think about what this, what this pie is saying to me right now, I think about the sweetness of this kind of dessert, the sweetness of any dessert. And y'all, my mind can't help but go to grace. That when I eat something sweet, when I'm engaging in something sweet at a table, my mind can't help but think about the grace of God. Y'all, that's, that old hymnology said, amazing grace. How sweet the sound, y'all. So when, when I think about dessert, man, I, I can't help but thinking about the sweetness of what grace is, y'all, that, that grace is God's redemption at Christ's expense is that old acronym that maybe some of y'all grew up hearing, y'all, and it's a sweet thing to our souls, not something we earned and not something we've, we've gotten by ourselves, but it is something that is sweet to the soul. And so when I think about starting with dessert first, it actually ain't that bad because it makes me think about his grace. Y'all, Jesus models this as well. In fact, if you, if you went to, uh, I, I'm just going to talk about it since we just at the table. Y'all write down the scripture references and go read it for yourself. Um, but y'all, it, it, if, if I had time, I would tell y'all to go to Luke chapter 5, and I would tell you to go look at verses 27 through 32. And if you read these narratives, you read these encounters that Jesus is having with people, you will see Jesus' grace enacted at a table. Because note who he lets come to the table. Um, in Luke chapter 5, verse 37, um, Jesus has dinner with some tax collectors. And the Bible says he has dinners with tax collectors and with sinners. Um, tax collectors in the Jewish mind would have been the worst kind of people imaginable because they would, have, they would have enforced the oppression of the people of Israel from the Roman government, would have, ta- would have not only taken the taxes that the government was imposing on the people, but they also would take more and put some to the side for themselves. So the fact that Jesus is eating with tax collectors, the fact that Jesus is eating with sinners, y'all, is a picture of how Jesus, when we sit at the table, we're reminded of his grace, y'all. Because you're not a tax collector. I don't think y'all work for the IRS. But you are a sinner. And so when we sit at the table, though, and we, we think about the sweetness of the things on the table, we're reminded of the grace of Jesus Christ that he has allowed you and I who are sinners who have violated the holy standard of a holy God, y'all, who have messed up in our lives, y'all. Y'all, that, the, the, the desserts, y'all, this pie reminds me of the sweetness of our God's grace, the sweetness of his mercy, y'all. And so when you eat at a table with somebody else and y'all order dessert together or y'all go get ice cream together or whatever, it's not just something casual, but you ought to let that ice cream, you ought to let that pie, you ought to let that cookie, whatever it is, that cookie from Chick-fil-A or that brownie, hallelujah, Jesus, whatever it is, you ought to let it remind you of the sweetness of God's grace in your life, and you ought to let it be an instrument that you use to point to the sweetness of God's grace in somebody else's life, too. That you ought to remind them when y'all are eating together as they're telling you their story or telling you about their mess-ups or telling you about the things they should have done well or better. You ought to look at that cookie, look at that brownie, look at that piece of pie and say, amazing grace. How sweet the sound 
that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I can see. And it's not because of me. It's because of the grace of God, y'all. Y'all, I, I look at this table, and this pie is talking to me, y'all. It's reminding me of the sweetness of, of God's grace. But, but then I'm, I'm, I am a, uh, my wife calls me a carnivore, Jesse, because I want the main thing. I like to put the main thing at the main thing, you know? So the main thing got to be this chicken on this table. Uh, this chicken is talking to me, too. Thank you, Lord, for getting me some fried chicken. I'm an old black Baptist preacher, um, in my soul. I'm an old, I'm young in life, but I'm old in my soul. I'm an old black Baptist preacher. Uh, and so I can't help but want to eat some fried chicken, y'all. Uh, and so this plate of fried chicken is talking to me too, because I look at the dessert and it reminds me of the sweetness of God. But I look at this fried chicken and it reminds me that when we come to the table, y'all, this is too much for me to eat by myself. I'm reminded though, so if I'm going to eat this, I need to eat this with somebody. So I look at this table and I'm reminded that God can do some work in my life, through my life, and I'm not meant to eat alone. Y'all, um, you got to let a table talk to you. And when you look at a table, most tables, they don't have one chair. Most tables have multiple chairs or at least one other chair, y'all. And what a wonderful reminder that is for us that when we eat together, that we're supposed to eat with somebody. That God has called you and I to live in life and community with other people. And that God does something unique in and through community that he doesn't do when you're just in isolation by yourself. In fact, Acts chapter 2, write it down. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. I say write it down and then nobody twitch. Amen. Acts chapter 2, <laughs> verse 42 through 47. Shout out to all the people writing it down. Amen. Y'all, the Bible says something interesting. I want to read it into you here in Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. Uh, since y'all ain't going to go read it and write it down yourselves, I'll just read it to you real quick. Um, Watch what the Bible says. Now, this is the Bible describing the early church. This is the first ecclesia, the first gathering of believers. I want y'all to note something about the early church. Note what they did. The Bible says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, yes, to the fellowship, yes, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Y'all see that? Um, note what the first church, the early church did. And y'all, this ought to be the paradigm for every church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They sat under the preached word of God as the apostles taught them about Christ and about the gospel. Amen? They devoted themselves to fellowship, engaging one another to the breaking of bread. I wish I had a witness. Um, other translations would tell you, they did this day after day. That day after day, y'all, they ate together. They broke bread together, y'all. The reality is, y'all, we cannot be a church or a community and not engage in food together. But that food, actually, watch this, it's a cheap code for cultivating community. Y'all ever heard people say, oh, you need to live in community and you need to, you know, cultivate community. And you're like, yeah, but I'm awkward. And they're kind of awkward, too. Y'all, anybody else like that? Y'all kind of like, yeah, I, I, I would love to engage people. But I'm, a, you know, I just, yeah. Y'all want to know what a cheat, a cheat code for cultivating community is? Eating together. 
We ain't got nothing to talk about. Talk about how good or nasty the food is. <laughs> it's a wonderful icebreaker. It's a wonderful thing to do together. And again, y'all, Jesus did this all the time, and he encourages us to do it all the time, too. How did the disciples become so close? How did people who were um, sinners or lepers or whatever, why did they fall in love with Jesus? It's because they all sat down and they would eat together often. Jesus would break down the wall of hostility by eating with people. I want to tell you guys, we ought to eat together because it's a cheat code for cultivated community. I'm going to say this, though, too, y'all. It also becomes an avenue, um, a barrier for breaking up community. Um, Y'all, in the ancient world, who you ate with was of great significance. Um, Jesus models for us as he sits down and eats with other people, y'all, Levi or uh, tax collectors and sinners or lepers even, y'all. In in the Jewish world, y'all, that was a no-go. Because who you ate with said something about who you were. So to eat with these people is like, nah. And so they get on to Jesus about this all the time. Jesus, why you eating with these people? Jesus, why you hanging out with these people? But Jesus was interested in in creating a a brand new community. And cultivating a new people, not just the people that look like him. And sound like him. Or thought like him. So he invited different kinds of people to his table, y'all, to cultivate and eat community and have or build community with y'all. And brothers and sisters, how much more would our lives be better? How much more would we model what it means to be a follower of Jesus if we ate with people who didn't look like us? If we ate with people who were sinners, just like you and I are, and we're in in need of hearing about this grace of God. Um, Y'all want to know something else about this? Um, Zach, one interesting fact, when you broke bread with somebody, you couldn't go to war with them. Breaking bread was actually a sign of a peace treaty. How much more hesitant would you be to break off some friendships, discard some people, if you ate with them and you thought about the fact that I've broken bread with this person? And so even if I don't maybe walk with them in the same ways, I'm not going to harm them. A pastor, a friend of mine, um, said something to a room full of preachers recently. We were talking. And uh, I love him and I appreciate his heart. Because one of the things he said to all of us, he said, I'm here if y'all ever need me. We all broke bread in that room. He said, I'm here if y'all ever need me. And he said, if I can't help you, I'll never hurt you. And can I tell y'all, brothers and sisters, that when you break bread with people, it makes us more hesitant to hurt people that we've covenanted together in some way with, to be at peace with. Yeah, this chicken is talking to me. It reminds me of the community, how having a meal together, y'all, it's, we, we, we shouldn't have a meal to, to ourselves, but we're called to have meals with other people. But I, I don't tend to just eat food. If y'all like me, and then I got to watch this because Kim Martin got high blood pressure, and so I got to watch it run in my family. But I'm going to put a little salt on it. I just am. Y'all, you got to let the table talk to you. Let it remind you of the sweetness of God's grace. Let it 
be an instrument in which you point to other people is the sweetness of God's grace. Let, let the main thing remind you that you shouldn't have this or enjoy this dish by yourself, but you ought to share it with God and engage with, with other people who don't look like you, who may not have the same background as you. Let it build and foster that community with other people. But y'all, there's salt on most tables. Or they give them little salt packets that don't, don't just quite cut it. Y'all, you got to let the salt talk to you and remind you that you're supposed to be the salt of the earth. When we eat together, we should be reminded of the mission that we all have together. In Matthew chapter 5, when Jesus is doing his Sermon on the Mount, one of the things he's going to say right there at the end, he's going to look at the disciples, he's going to say, you are the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. Y'all, that salt in the ancient world just like actually in our culture too, still, salt was used to slow the decay of something. It was used to slow the decay of food or even other things, y'all. It was a, it's a preservative, if you will, a preservative. And so, y'all, um, that's what we as followers of Jesus are supposed to be. Now, mind you, we're living in an age and a world that is quickly passing away. That's the truth of the, of the gospel, that it is a world that is decaying, but you and I are supposed to help slow that decay. We're supposed to help preserve communities and preserve people and then enhance what God originally designed for them to be. Um, this is why um, we ought to eat together and then go march to a town hall meeting. Because we're trying to preserve the decay of our community because we got stuff going on in and around our church and in this community that is threatening people made in the image of God, threatening their purpose. When we eat together, we're reminded of the issues of the world and we don't run and become somber about them, but they should remind us that we are called to be soldiers in the world called to do something and slow the decay. So we eat together, we pray together for these issues. We pray over what's going on in them. Does that make sense to y'all today? That salt should remind you that you are the salt of the world. You are on mission from God, that your life, you did, God didn't just put you here and save you so you could sit in these pews. He didn't save you just to save you, but he saved you so he could also use your life. So you could be on mission, so we could all be on mission to do the things that God has called us to do. Does that make sense, y'all? The, the salt should talk to you. I ain't got nothing for pepper. It just, it's just there. <laughs> Can't have salt without having pepper. But I got, my, I, got my, I got my dessert, which reminds me of the sweetness of God's grace. I got my main dish, which reminds me that I'm not meant to do life alone. I got, I got my salt, which reminds me I'm the salt of the of the world, of the earth, that we're called to help preserve the decay. We got some good old black eyed peas here. Now, my light skinned cousins, y'all may not know this. All my chocolate folk in the room, what do black eyed peas mean at the New Year? Good luck. You're supposed to eat some. That might be an old black southern thing, too. I don't know. Y'all do it up here, too? Okay, all right. All right. Y'all got some good stuff. All right. Black eyed peas, though, y'all, um, you're supposed to eat a, a spoonful at the, uh, at the beginning of the new year, on New Year's Eve, and it's supposed to symbolize good luck or um, hope. 
Y'all, when we eat together, we should be reminded of the hope that we have in Jesus. You should be reminded of the hope you have in Jesus, but you should always also be reminded of your ability to give hope to other people, to remind them that there is a Jesus who loves them and who cares about them. Um, Revelations, go to Mark chapter 14 real quick if you got it. Mark chapter 14. Now, if you go to Mark 14, and this is Mark's account of the Last Supper, because, again, Jesus always did something important at a meal, right? If you go to Mark chapter 14 and you encounter, um, and we read about Jesus, about this Last Supper or the Lord's Supper, know what it says. It says, as they were eating. Y'all see, Jesus was always eating. He took the bread and he blessed it and he broke it, gave it to them, and he said, take, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. And he said, this is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly, I tell you, I will no longer drink the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Revelation 19. Um, y'all hear this? This is, this is this revelation that's been given to John. After this, I heard something like the loud voice of a vast multitude in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and power belong to our God because his judgments are true and righteous because he has judged uh, the notorious prostitute who corrupted the earth with her sexual immorality and he has avenged the blood of his servants that was on her hands. A second time they said, Hallelujah. Her smoke ascends forever and ever. And then uh, the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who is seated on the throne saying, amen, hallelujah. And then watch this. A voice came from the throne saying, praise our God, all his servants and the one who fears him, both small and great. And then I heard something like the voice of a vast multitude, like the sound of cascading waters, like the rumbling of loud thunder saying hallelujah because our Lord God the Almighty reigns. Let us be glad, rejoice, and give him glory. Watch this. Because the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has prepared herself. She was given the fine linen to wear bright and pure for the fine linen represents the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to me, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage feast of the Lamb. Did you guys know that life, eternity, following Jesus, all these things are going to find their culmination in a dinner, in a wedding feast. Y'all, uh, the Bible often describes the church as the bride of Christ. Y'all, we're his bride getting prepared for our wedding day, if you will. Jesus as the groom. And y'all, all of this finds it, its culmination in a wedding feast in a dinner together. And so even when Jesus is giving uh, these instructions for the Last Supper or when they're having the Last Supper, note what Jesus says. He says, I'll give you this bread, I give you this wine, and I tell you, I'm not going to taste this wine or drink from this cup again until the culmination day, until that wedding day. 
till the day where I've set everything right and where all believers are sitting around the table with God, enjoying in fellowship and community with our King and our Lord. So watch this. These peas, just like the ones we take at the beginning of or at the end of a new year or the beginning of a new year, y'all, the reality is they remind me of hope, the hope that we have, that this world ain't it. And that one day we're going to sit with our king having a marriage feast, if you will. Now, I don't know what Jesus got on the menu, but I believe it's going to be good. I don't know if, it's, if, it's gonna have, if he'll have fried chicken. I pray it's not pumpkin pie. Well, maybe for the other people. <laughs> He's God. He's a God of diversity, so I believe he'll have options for dessert. But whatever it is, when I meet with people, when I sit and have a meal and I eat with other people, I eat with myself or whatever the case may be, I'm reminded of the hope that I have, that this meal ain't going to be my last meal, but that I can, give my, I can live in a place of hope knowing that God has something else coming for me. Does that make sense to anybody? Y'all, y'all um, the peas are talking to me. They remind me of the hope that I have in God. But... The best thing on the table is this bread. That's why I'm fat right now. <laughs> now, normally, we here in our culture in America, we're going to have our bread first. You know, they bring you out baskets. You know, uh, Texas Roadhouse got that bread from heaven. And Outback got that bread from heaven, that little, that brand, amen, hallelujah, they got, got that bread from heaven. They're going to bring out the bread first, but I wanted to say the bread for last because, yeah, when we eat of the bread, it should talk to us in some different ways. It should remind us of the salvation that we have found in God. If you went right back to Mark chapter 14, you'll, that same passage of scripture, Know what he says. He says, take this bread. Because this bread whew, is my body, which has been broken for you. Yeah, when we eat of the bread, we're reminded of the fact that Jesus gave his body up for us. You know, one of the things that we miss in the gospel all the time is that the gospel um, doesn't start with the love of God. It actually starts with the holiness of God. That God is holy. That God is set apart, blameless, righteous. He is holy. We are unholy because of our sin nature, because of Papa Adam, Mama Eve, their fallen nature. We have a fallen, we have a predisposition towards sin. And yet, because of God's love and grace and mercy, we can still be in community with a holy God, though we have Send in our unholy people. Why? Because at the cross, Jesus satisfied the wrath of God, his righteous wrath, by giving up his body. By the breaking of his body. This is why when we take communion, this is such an important thing. By the way, communion, when we take it out, them little cups and them little wafers, and that's cute and all, that really wasn't what communion was, was really like in the early days, in the early church. It was really this. 
It was a whole meal. And why does he tell us to take communion? Because we're to do this in remembrance. So when we eat a meal, and man, when you touch that bread, when you get that good old Texas Roadhouse bread, or that Outback bread, who else got good bread? That red, oh, them red lobster biscuits. You ain't never lied. You ain't never lied. Amen. Red lobster. Ooh, hallelujah, Jesus. But man, when, you, when we eat this bread, y'all, it our remind us of the body that was broken for us. Y'all, when bread comes out at your table and you're eating in community with other people, you remind them of the sweetness of his grace. You remind them of the hope that you have, that this life ain't it. But you should also remind them, tell them that Jesus' body was broken for you. The Bible says he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. Chastisement of our peace was upon him, but because of his stripes, we're healed, y'all. Now, this... Now, here's the other thing. When we eat a good meal, I don't know about y'all saints. Some of y'all might be a little spooky. But ain't nothing wrong with having a little wine at it. Now, I'm not telling the saints to overindulge. But my Jesus had a little wine. I'm just telling you what the Bible said. Take it over to Jesus. They had some wine at the table. And this is a wonderful note that the Bible does tell us to be not filled with wine. One or two is enough. But they had some wine at the table. And Jesus says, this wine ain't just wine. This Merlot just ain't a Merlot. But its blush color reminds you of my blood. Hebrews tells us that without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of sin. That for the sin debt that we have incurred, the only payment that will cover it is some blood. Problem is, your blood ain't sufficient. Other problem is, the blood of other of animals, of lambs or of goats, that's not sufficient either. Jesus said, fine, I'll do it myself. And when he went to Calvary's mountain for us, y'all, he shed his blood for us. That's why we sing the song, what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is that flow that makes me white as snow. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. That's why I like them old hymns. I say, there is a fountain that is filled with blood. I wish I had some folks that knew how. I, y'all don't know the song. Y'all got all that maverick said. I love it too, but y'all don't know the hymns no more. <laughs> there is a fountain that is filled with blood. Drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunge beneath the flood. They lose all their guilt and shame. It reaches to the highest mountain. It flows to the lowest valley. Oh, the blood. That gives me strength from day to day. It shall never lose its power, y'all. Y'all, when we eat together, when we come to the table, y'all, when you look at that 
wine that's there for you or whatever it may be, y'all, that red-flavored Kool-Aid. It should remind you about the blood that was shed for you and the blood that was shed for everybody. That it covers anybody that wants to get underneath its covering. Y'all, you got to let a table talk to you. You got to let it minister to you. But I want to tell you, don't be selfish. Let it minister through you. Tell somebody about the blood. You go out with your girlfriends, y'all going out for a glass of wine. Remind them, hey, girl, this blood covered you. You can't hang out with your boys and y'all order wings for the game. Tell them, bro, don't forget, man, we're supposed to be in community with one another. We were never made to do life alone. I can't eat all these wings by myself. You go to Texas Roadhouse, you go to Red Lobster, get your cheddar biscuit. You remind them, you remember that the blood, that the body was broken for you. You go eat something sweet. Get your ice cream, your cookie, whatever. Remember how sweet the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ is. Don't forget to hold on to some hope that this ain't it. But here's the thing. You can't eat none of it without a fork. Not really. You can eat bread, you know. But if you don't really eat, most of the time you're going to have a fork on the table. Holly, um, Jennifer, they told me an old story that's popular of a man who uh, requested that when he was buried, after he died, that they buried him with a fork. They were saying, why? Why? That's, that's strange. Why you want to be buried with a fork? He said, well, I don't give him my fork because it's an anticipation that something else is coming to my plate. Holding on to that fork. It's like me holding on to a promise from God. Every time you hold that fork, you got to hold on and remember that something better is coming to your plate. That this ain't it. That wherever you are isn't where your story ends. You might say, I got a bunch of mess on my plate right now. Well, God can clear it out and bring something new for you to have. Y'all, you ought to let a table talk to you every now and again. So here it is. I'm done. We got to go. Here's what I want you to do, y'all. Here's what your homework assignment is. Go eat something good with somebody. Have a meal with people. And in that meal, won't you remember all the wonderful things about your God? wonderful things that Jesus has already done for us. Maybe for some of you, you just need to start with your family. Y'all don't do family meals. Maybe a great thing for you to do is to sit down and actually have a meal with the family. I'm going to really mess somebody up. You may need to go have a meal with an enemy. Most enemies are people who probably used to be friends. Or people who God may want to use you to help turn them. It's going to be real strange when you show up to work and you ask that coworker that you can't stand. Hey, you want to get lunch? Let me hear your story. I know I don't like you and you don't like me, but let's go eat. Maybe it's with somebody in church. You're like, I'm at the church. I need to get plugged in, but I don't really. Y'all, we have food and snacks 
all the time. But maybe you just need to say, hey, you want to go get lunch? I had um, dinner with somebody this, or breakfast this, this past week with somebody. It was just a blessing to get to know them and hear their story. Black Baptist preaching. I told you I got to be done at least three times. So here we go. This is the last one, I promise. Um, and I only got five minutes because y'all got to go. One of my favorite stories um, from the church that I pastor and the people I've been leading, it's a story that has set with me the last five years and radically reoriented and changed my perspective of life and ministry. You know, we were starting out, we were trying to get people to come to our church, all the things like that, yada, yada, yada. Well, I used to cook at my house when I lived at, in South Minneapolis. Saturdays, I would light up the grill during the summertime and say, hey, y'all, y'all just come up to the house. We go eat. There had been a young lady that had been coming to Bible study. She had been hanging out, all those things like that, et cetera. She came to eat at my house one day. She had had a good time the night before. Had a good old time. Had a great time the night before. Y'all get what I'm saying? Had a good old time. She was nervous coming to my house because she's like, ooh. What's pastor going to think? I looked at him like, you, you good? You tired? What's up? You straight? I had a good time the night before. That's cool. I ain't, I ain't mad at you. Hey, let me go in the kitchen and make you something real quick. Make you a coffee or just something to help you be all right. Made it for her. She got better. She went on our couch, had a nice couch, and she took herself a good little nap. Y'all know you need a little nap afterward after... Woke up, ate food, we all hung out the rest of the night. It was amazing to me that a week later, she had been coming to Bible study for months, hanging out for months. We knew each other, all stuff like that. A week later, she says, Pastor, I'm joining the church. I said, that's what's up, man. Why now? Pastor, I love the teaching. That's wonderful, et cetera. But the way y'all loved me when we came and ate together, the grace that I found as we ate, had coffee, all that stuff together, that's what made me want to be a part of a community like this. You'd be surprised what a meal can do in somebody's life. So, go eat with somebody. Come on, let's stand up. Let's get ready to go. Before we go, um, listen, I want to do this. Maybe you've never said yes to Jesus. You, you've never let God be the Lord and the leader of your life. And you're like, Pastor, I need to give my life to the Lord. I need to let him call the shots. I need to put my faith in Jesus Christ. I need to become a follower of Jesus. But I don't even know what that means. Well, listen, if that's you today, hear me very clearly. If you're like, Pastor, I don't know if I died, whether I go to heaven or hell. Listen, the only way you got a promise and the only way you can have hope it's about putting your faith in Jesus. So if you never put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ today, when the service is over, I want to invite you to do this. Come talk to one of our prayer counselors. Amen? Here's our thing. Maybe you don't have a community. You don't have anybody to eat with and get through life with. And you're like, I've been coming to sanctuary, and that's great, but I'm not made in my home yet. Let me tell you, this is a wonderful place for you to be a part of. Amen? So if that's you, come talk to one of our prayer counselors. Talk to Jesse. Talk to myself. We'll get you plugged in. Talk to Jennifer outside. We'll get you connected so that uh, the next time we have starting point, you can come. Amen?
All right, let me pray for us and we'll go. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the table. We thank you for the meaning of a meal. We thank you that when we look at it, when we eat, God, it's not just physical, but it's spiritual. We're reminded of the sweetness of your grace, Father, the hope of things to come, the community that you created and given us. God, the promise of the next life, Father, and the beauty of a broken body and a poured out blood for our sins. So now, God, help us to leave and go be on mission. Help us to go be the salt of the earth, to be the light of the world, Father, to slow the decay of this age so that you can be glorified. God, we love you and we thank you. It's in Christ Jesus' name we do pray and all of us together said amen. Amen. Love you guys. God bless you. I'll see you next weekend.